going live on YouTube as well. And I'd like to entice everybody who's listening to the podcast uh, to go check it out on YouTube because I would like to give a little bit of a lighthearted tour of the podcast studio for a minute and talk about some of the stuff in here to uh, break the ice just a little bit and to bring some levity into it because we have some cool stuff in the studio that I think will lead to some interesting conversation as well and also answer a lot of questions that I got over the weekend from people, but, uh, but really the portion of, yeah, I'm sure I'm sharing the uh, podcast right now online, but, um, a a big part of it was, um, really unexpected. So I'm really excited to jump into this right now. (laughs) Well, it looks, well, hopefully we can keep the video feed. It looks like it's going okay. Um, but we're going to roll forward with the podcast nonetheless. Um, yeah. So in the studio, one of the first things a lot of people noticed was, what they call a rug. This is actually a reindeer hide that we have on the table. I use it mostly for audio and sound quality, so it doesn't echo in here. But I got this on a trip to Norway uh, in Bergen, Norway, in a fur trading shop, and that was really cool. Like, wasn't it one of the oldest fur trading shops? In Scandinavia. Yeah, and it's, like, still in use and still active and everything. It's really cool. Um, And... This is an actual samurai sword. It's not like an authentic old one. It's a current replica, modern one. This Still is, cool. This is also a Viking sword as well. Uh, on the In the middle of the desk, we have an incense burner and some different types of incense. Uh, what's over there, Ginger? We've got... Uh, this is actually an elephant lighter that we found in a thrift store in Las Vegas. A uh, vintage store from like the yeah. from things from the 60s and 70s. It actually has vintage a, store is better than thrift store because it wasn't a thrift store. It has it's a lighter like on the back, so you can click the, <laughs> the back. I'm gonna fall out of my chair here. You can click the back of the elephant, and I don't have any of the fuel in it, so it doesn't yeah. work right now. But I need to get some. Got a nice uh, um, oil diffuser here with some oils. That's a terracotta warrior that my cousin actually brought from. Uh, back from China. Yeah, they went on a trip to China. And then this is a meditation. Is it a singing bowl or what do you call this? Yeah, it's just a Tibetan meditation bowl. You're actually supposed to do it on the outside. Uh. Go a little bit slower and you go. So Ginger's demonstrating how to use the singing bowl right now. Kind of in a bad right way. Right now on the, <laughs> on the live stream. It's hard. With it's the, hard to yeah. hear. Yeah. Uh, you might have to hold it up closer cool. to the microphone. Here, here. You, I'll you just take, take a, a second. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> Maybe we'll try it later. So you you run this little baton around the outside edge of this bowl, and it helps you get into a mindset where you're not thinking so many thoughts in your head, but you can kind of just listen to that sound. I'll see if I can do it here. It's kind of hard. Yeah, that's so cool. That's really nice. Um, but when you're meditating, it kind of helps you clear your mind and different things. Uh, we have a statue of the thinker uh, in the middle of the <clears throat> table, which maybe we'll save that for another conversation and discuss that in another podcast. But it has to do, well, I might come up a little bit today because I w- was interested in talking about human thought and autonomy and how much of our thoughts we're actually in control of. Um, I have a little uh, 
small ball. It's a, like a clear glass ball that has uh, the solar system on it with all the different planets going around the sun. It's kind of an interesting thing to talk about. Um, a good way of describing like space and time and different things like that. But uh, also I have a statue of Bigfoot. I've had kind of an interesting story and encounter with maybe a Sasquatch. And I'd like to bring some interesting guests on at some point to talk about that and kind of what's going on in the Bigfoot Sasquatch cryptozoology or ghost hunting. Yeah, uh, the ghost hunting would be really cool too. The afterlife. I have a good friend. If you're listening to this, Cody, I would really like to get you on this podcast one day um, who has been a fan of us on YouTube for a long time and a friend became a friend uh, just from watching all of our content and became a friend on Facebook and everything, overcame a lot of adversity in his life, um, was in the hospital and overcoming a lot of stuff. And I don't want to tell the whole story, but now he's recovered and doing really well and is involved in a lot of <clears throat> paranormal investigation stuff. And that's really cool. So it'd be fun to get him on here and get kind of his experiences and have him tell some really fascinating stories from... I'm a scaredy pants, but I think <laughs> ghost hunting would be really fun. I would like to try it, and maybe we could do like a little ghost hunting thing here in the studio to see if there's anything around. I don't know. It might be pretty interesting. Uh, we also have a statue. It might be a little bit hard to see here uh, behind everything of Icarus in the background there, and we can talk about him on another one. And then we have a boogie bomb from... <laughs> Fortnite that is just up here to break the tension a little bit. We have a lot of other interesting stuff in the background, books and different things um, to talk about. One of the other things that we have here is from one of our sponsors of the day, Zatural. Uh, tell them a little bit about Zatural, Ginger. Zatural is um, a company, mostly we buy it from Amazon, um, but they do... CBD gummies, which is my favorite way to consume CBD. I actually take a gummy every morning. It just helps me kind of for stress feel relaxed and um, I don't know. Uh, the thing about CBD that's really awesome and this company is that they get all their uh, crop and everything. I believe is grown just like right here in the United States in Colorado. It's all uh, grown legally. It's processed in Twin Falls, Idaho, and put together all there. Uh, really good family company, really close people uh, to us. Uh, really, really good product. Um, <clears throat> the nice thing. And they taste really good. They do taste oh. really good. <laughs> Last time we talked about the hot cream and we used it. And after hauling trash at the remodel, it was like so awesome. It was so awesome. We used it two nights in a row and I slept so good. But the biggest thing was just the muscle release, like kind of because it has the like kind of feels like a um, menthol type feeling on your skin, right. like the hotness or the coldness, you know, so. Right. A lot of people have a bad stigma about certain products and stuff, but the CBD products are completely legal. It's made in Twin Falls, Idaho, and you can just order it on Amazon or online. Uh, go to Zatril. You can do, use hashtag Carl Vibe and get 15% off your purchase. So go check that out. So really cool. Now that we got all the shop talk out of the way, we've been having a lot of really interesting conversations lately. Uh, yeah. I mean. With a lot of interesting people too. I think that it sort of, the podcast was really interesting because the first one went up and then we had an event and um, the, the people, the types of things that they said about it was really enlightening. And I think, I think that we should head in that direction just because I think the consciousness stuff really came up a lot and right. being an awareness and 
and all of that. But, um, a lot of people talk to me and what were really curious about meditation. Yeah. Like a lot of people I think realized <clears throat> from the last podcast that what they thought meditation was, is not what it really is. And I think they right. kind of had a, a understanding of that. Maybe, maybe we can explore that a little bit more tonight. Yeah. That um, sounds good. But I think it's one of the things that we've been talking about a lot is how much of everything that's going on around us in reality is really how much of it is, is what we think it is. I think that none of it is, to be honest. I think that our perceptions are also whimsical and just completely different. Two people can experience the exact same event and have two completely different takes on it simply from the path fact simply by the fact they were raised in different cultures, you know? Right. So what we think we're observing, we're wrong all the time. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that um, none of it is true or we're completely wrong, but I'm just saying we get it wrong a lot. How many times do you talk to someone and um, they give off like a facial expression or a body motion or something that maybe you were like, oh, I wonder if they're upset with me or mad at me or something but in reality, it has nothing to do with you. It's just something to do with whatever's going on in their head at the time or whatever. Right. But those just having that perception of like um, observing someone but not really knowing what's inside their mind. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, you know. And, and how everything is completely relative to yeah. circumstances. Like we talk about this analogy and hope, maybe I can explain it because I've tried and failed so many times already in <laughs> other situations. But there's... This analogy um, that makes it really clear how there can be multiple truths all happening at once. Yeah. Uh, just based on literally where you're standing. And we talked about this. So an easy way of explaining it is like, imagine there's a truck. Let's say this book right here. I, I have a, I'm not going to use a book because the podcast people are going to get really confused. <laughs> but let's imagine there's um, a semi truck or a U-Haul truck. Okay. And it doesn't have any sides to it. It's just a big flatbed truck. And on the back of that truck is a person holding a paintball gun and they're aiming the paintball gun forward towards the driver. Okay. And when, let's say when they fire that paintball gun, the paintball is traveling 20 miles per hour. Okay. Um, let's say that that truck is driving. We'll try to make this easy. We'll say the truck is driving a hundred miles per hour and the paintball after it's being fired out of the paintball gun is going 20 miles per hour. Okay. Now this is like a little bit physics, weird hocus pocus, but just hang in here. So if you're standing on the truck with the paintball gun, and the paintball fires and you let's say you have a radar detector that can detect at laser speed right and it detects that paintball and if you're on the truck with the person firing it how fast is that going to be detected as going the paintball 20 miles per hour 20 miles per hour right and that's the truth like that's scientific like the ball is moving at 20 miles per hour you just scientifically recorded that data now let's just say 
you take your laser detector now and you step off of the truck onto the curb next to the road. And at that exact same time, in the exact same point that you measured the paintball in the air in the same spot, you point that laser and you measure it in the exact same spot in the same way. How fast is the paintball going when the truck drives by and you fire the paintball? It's going to get measured at 120 miles per hour because the truck is driving 100 miles per hour and the paintball is going 20. So you're going to measure that going 120 miles per hour, right? Now here's where it gets really spooky and weird is now scale that up and imagine that you're holding that laser and you're in outer space and you're outside our solar system, like in a UFO or something, <laughs> escape from Area 51, and you're up there, and you, f- and you point that laser down at the exact same spot on the exact same paintball, but you're pointing it at an Earth that's turning, what, like 800 miles, 872 yeah. miles per hour on its axis? So the paintball's going 900 and... 90 something miles per hour. But then if you're far enough away, the planet is going around the sun at like 80 something thousand miles per hour. So how fast is the paintball really going? Depending on the perspective, depending, yeah. Depending on the relative perspective of who's holding the laser and where you're standing. Yeah. Determines that truth. So it has to do with your awareness, like your conscious perspective as to what the truth is. It's not necessarily what's happening right there yeah the experience of the of riding in the Isn't truck is so different than the experience of standing on the sidewalk and watching it pass yes. or to be like off the earth right even just like in the air or yes. in outer space so it's like the same events happening but every single measurement is true and yeah. accurate at the same and time a, and is a fact even and even if all three of those lasers are pointed at the same time the weird thing is they're going to get three completely different numbers that are all true. So what is the truth? How do you know? Like, how can you judge, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's can like, you? Yeah, it's sort of a paradox. Maybe there's more wise people out there that understand these types of things, and we are just sound really ignorant. But I mean, we're new to it, though, and, we're, and I think a lot of people listening – possibly are too that i don't i don't know if this is something that most people know you know right or think about but i think that taking that and like applying it in more of like a specific way like it's just so um eye-opening to take that perspective with just like relationships Mm. with applying it to your work life you know applying it to as a parent right and you know, you and I can like have a fight and each one of our kids is going to have a different perspective of that experience if they are there, you know, like if we have an argument or something and they witness that, right? then each one of them would have a different story. And I know that's true because I come from a family of 12 children and every one of us recounts this story much differently than the other. Yeah. And then you add on top of that how fragmented your memories can be. Yeah. <clears throat> so even in just trying to remember it yourself in your own head, in your own mind, the way that you remember it gets dramatized over time or is always going to favor your own ego in some way and is twisted slightly and it's from your perspective. And then as you hear other people tell the story or recount the incident, 
uh, that all gets added in like a spice or flavor to the memories. And <clears throat> eventually over time, it's like, like Alan Watts talks about, he's one of my favorite, like spiritualist philosopher type people. If anybody's interested in looking up a really fascinating author and philosopher, you should definitely look up Alan Watts. But he talks about the past being like, um, like the wake behind a ship. So it's like the waves behind a boat. Uh, as you stand on the back of the boat and look straight down, you kind of get a sense of the waves and you can tell where you've been. And when yeah. you look up off the back of the boat towards the horizon, you can kind of see a trace behind you of where you've been. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, but there's eventually a point there where that past is just kind of gone. It's just lost in the ocean and everything else that's yeah. happening. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And when you try to think about your own, even your own life and your own memories, even just try to think about like exactly what you ate yesterday <clears throat> and how, where you walked all the, how many times did you go up and down the escalator and what, what time did you do that? Like, yeah, it's all gone. So much yeah. of that's gone already. And I think that like when you think about your childhood and you think about, um, uh, at least for me, so many times I'm talking to someone and they bring something that I can, they bring something up that I completely don't remember. And so they t start telling me and then these memories start coming back. But you always have to question those memories because are you just putting the story together very fragmented right. from their story? Right. And you know what I'm saying? So that perspective is really interesting too because a lot of the times we listen to stories that other people tell us right. about our childhood or past experiences or what happened last weekend or whatever. <clears throat> and whether or not you were there, you put the story in your head and how much is that true? Whether it's our history, whether it's like a perspective of, you know, a social setting, mm -hmm. being someone who's like a little prone to social anxiety, I get right. home from a party and analyze the whole thing, you know? And so... Usually in a negative way, right? Like a lot of times... Usually spun negative, yeah. Right. Which is interesting. We always, like, when we look on the past, a lot of times you have a past negative perspective. There's a, another interesting author... Um, and Dr. Philip Zimbardo, I hope I'm saying his name right, but he did a whole bunch of studies that were interesting about time perspective. It wasn't necessarily that time was real, but it had to do with like your relationship with time. Like yeah. is your perspective of the past, when you think about the past, is it positive or negative? And is your perspective of the future hopeful and positive, or is it like fatalist, like end of the world type yeah. thoughts or afraid of uh, negative anticipation and stuff. And he lines it out really nicely, but uh, which helps you kind of understand it, I think. But what it's missing is how much of it, it's a cocktail that swirls all around. Sometimes within like 10 seconds, you can go through all of those, spin through the past, think of good memories, bad memories, and then wonder about what you're going to do positive and negative and all that can happen like in 20 seconds if you're really you know yeah. <laughs> or sh much less stressed time. out if you're really having yeah. a panic attack you know you can run around that wheel so fast yeah you feel like that's the experience oh, yes. right but it's really interesting i think that um yeah having having the feeling of 
the, the self-analyzing and the social analyzing and the perspectives, because I, I, I was like, were they, wait, was that a weird interaction or wait, you know, having, I would love, I wish I had the superpower to see everyone's perspective. Right. I would love to stand in a room and be able to see or Or would that just drive you crazy? Totally. Maybe just in a radius, like controlled. But yeah. then you'd be like Professor Xavier from X Men. Oh, that is his power, huh? You can read minds and things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't do know that. if you'd want to know that. I don't. I can't handle mine. That's the thing. <laughs> this is the one thing that keeps coming up. That's so fascinating. Is just the thoughts in your own head. Yes. Can we just? That's something that you brought up on the last podcast that we didn't really actually go back into and dig into, which is. I mean, I think the. Managing the thoughts of my own head has been a huge focus for me lately because um, so much of my anxiety and the peace of my life that I want to improve the most is managing just how I feel about my life from right. day to day or from moment to moment or whatever because I go through these spirals of happiness and anxiety and sadness and yeah. and just like I, I think I'm just easily <laughs> influenced to be really happy and I'm inf- easily influenced to be sad <laughs> I don't know but yeah. it feels like I'm not as just like steady lined as some people and so I'm I feel like I just have to manage what I'm thinking a little bit more I have an overactive mind maybe I don't know do you feel like see with meditation though that that helps you be more of like an observer of everything that's going on and kind of like as you fluctuate around and and things happen throughout the day, you become more mindful that that's not necessarily who you are, but it's more just kind of like your thoughts are going on and they're going to go on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I I think the skills that, that, that you learn during actual meditation to be able to just, be here and now and have your thoughts completely present is is somewhat of a skill right that you have to practice and I'm really bad at it but um just the little things like at CVX live I was um asked to speak and um that's like a difficult thing for me to do for some reason I don't know why but anyway but just between like elevator rides leading up to the time I had to speak Carl's holding my hands in the elevator and we're doing (laughs) meditation between floors and it got me through. I did. I I really feel like it helped me, you know, just being really intentional about it. And then like I'd sneak away to the bathroom and just try to relax my mind. And like, Mm. it really wasn't as hard as I think it would have been, you know, and, and using those tools is like, um, really made that difference. I think initially learning how to do meditation and stuff, uh, uh, at first it was like profound and amazing. And then it kind of flipped and became like its own source of frustration, almost like someone would chase a high or something weird. Like, yeah. uh, it, like it, you, I stumbled onto it in such a weird way, uh, not knowing what I was doing, uh, that trying to figure that out and what that was and how to do it again, or how to like, go out and get that peace of mind and feeling of like nirvana or enlightenment and awakening or something that whatever that was like, uh, became like a, just like a fumbling with it, with my own tools, trying to meditate and stuff. And now I have like the bowls around the house and like different types of stuff. And I've got all these different books about uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and 
ancient well, Sanskrit stuff. Do you and, know what I think it is um, really? Is that I think our brains are so complex and are so tricky, right. especially when you add the element of the ego and understand the uh, the duality of of the ego and all of that. Right. How how that all plays into your experience of everything. I feel like I kind of latched on to meditating and tried to practice it a lot in the beginning. And then I went through a really long phase of frustration, right? sort of a dark period. And then I kind of pulled out of it and I'm enjoying it a little bit more. But I think, um, I think that our minds play tricks on us and use mirror images within ourselves to make it more difficult to get to that place. Yeah. So, it, it, it almost feels like within myself that my brain is learning how to trick me better as <laughs> I become better at, yeah. at, at um, being here and now. So, right. so I, I learned one, I learned the cat, the cat chasing the mouse mm-hmm. tool, which, which. That's one I can, learned from Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. So just really quick. And then we can tell them what they are, but that one was kind of basic. Yeah. You know, and, and at first it was hard to get and then I used it and then it, and then it didn't work anymore, sort of. Mm-hmm. And so then we moved on to another one and then another one and, and then another one. But I think my brain um, learns to find ways around it. Right. And so then I and then I seek a more advanced it's depth. Str- but it's almost like going yeah. starting out here and experience yourself level by level going in, in, in. And it's yeah. like I haven't I'm so new at it still that. I haven't even gone as deep as I could go. And that sounds different if you've never really reached that level of meditation. If you've never really done actual meditation at all, if uh, I'll just dispel this myth really quick. A lot of people, well, it's not really a myth. People think that meditation is just like standing in front of the mirror. And uh, we just had this conversation with a good friend of ours last night. Uh, uh, And this is a type of meditation but when you like stand in front of the mirror and you self-actuate and you're like, ah, I'm awesome. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to be the best and I'm going to get that raise today. And I'm going to be brave and make those phone calls and whatever you got to do. Yourself yeah, up and you're like, mirror. and you're visualizing and you've got this visualization board. Maybe you've got some right now and there's nothing wrong with this, but you have like, um, ours was a folder where we had like, magazine clippings and stuff we printed off the internet and stuff that we put in there of our dream home and like all the stuff that we wanted and you visualize all that. Um, that's just like one very, very, very surface level type. Uh, I would say it's like, uh, I wouldn't say that it's a bad type or a lesser type. There's not really a value, but I would just say it's just different. It's a very different type that is fraught with tricks and traps. I would say that it's, if you really want to find and explore inner peace of mind, you're going to be tripping over yourself a lot when you do that kind of law of attraction stuff and rely on it too much. Because in a, in a certain way, you're relying upon a, a, a future that's based on time that's really not even real. And there's certain fundamental mm-hmm. flaws with that all. I guess if your affirmations are centered around time but a lot of the time they are you know a lot of the time people put their time limits on right on those uh vision boards and maybe not on the board but in their mind you know you you reach like oh i'm 25 i should already be graduated i should already have a house or a great paying job or whatever your 
your dream board and that folder uh, can those goals that you set can become impossible standards that you just abuse yourself with (laughs) in your own mind because you can't you're not achieving them and things you know so you have to be careful that I what like deeper deeper ancient meditation is and and like when you really get in to what they're all teaching all these big spiritual teachers when you go through all these books and stuff that you pour through and all of it like what are they really getting at what is this common thing going on that they you know are saying now they're awakened or they're enlightened or like they're outside the matrix or something or i am i am in the world but not of the world and you start hearing people talk this way and try to teach these types of things and really at that point you're talking about uh, you're not visualizing anything yeah. You're not um, having any kind of conversations in your head like where you're imagining that you're on a raft in the river and or like I'm I'm in the rainforest. Uh, oh, now I'm by a waterfall and you're imagining and visualizing things. That's that's a certain type of like Tao meditation that you can do, but you're still in the thoughts of the mind and you're still just visualizing something imaginary. You're not really being who you are at true peace. You're still trying to kind of flex your consciousness and hold an image in a way where there's still a conversation going on really deeper. A Zen meditation, I would say, would say is like a a deeper level um, is more when you are like what Eckhart Tolle does, which is here and now, where you're pausing between the thoughts and not thinking, not naming or labeling anything. Um, When a thought pops up in your mind, it's just part of the ambient music of the surroundings, of of the bees buzzing and the birds chirping and the breeze through the grass and things like that if a thought runs through your mind it's no different than that it's just a part of the environment that you're witnessing and you're not caught up in it you're not a part of that wheel or tornado you're now just an observer of it all you're behind it all kind of like peace of mind so whatever you're feeling whatever thoughts and conversations going on you kind of can in a healthy way um, detach from that and realize that these are just like the burning of incense smoke or like off the back of a boat. It's fleeting. It's just illusory for a moment. It's something that's happening now, uh, but it's not me and I'm, it's not forever and it's not even who I am. Yeah. But what's weird is when you realize that like the thoughts that you have in your head are in a language that was taught to you. Is that weird? Yeah, that's weird. Especially because, um, you know, you wonder who the voices are, right? Yeah. I think most people wonder who's talking to them and why when you're upset and you're venting to yourself, you're having a dual conversation. Right. You know, sometimes more. Sometimes there's like a, like a, like three voices kind of talking at the same time. And you wonder, I always wondered who, which one was actually me. Right. Which one was the devil? <laughs> which one was like an ancient ancestor or guardian angel of some sort? Right. And which one was me? And those were like the three voices that were in my head. And so 
I just assume that like all my negative thoughts came sort of as temptation or the devil or whatever framework right. you want to put on that. And then, um, but then you also have you know, all the chatter. That's just like where you're singing just, songs. You've got yes. little jingles and TV commercials yeah. that replay constantly. Just like, just this See, constant bizarreness up until this year. I thought the chatter was me. Right. And when I heard a voice that was deeper inside me, I always thought it was either the devil or, or, right. or the guardian angel figure, you know, right. or God, you know. So, I think that un- being able to identify who you are within your own consciousness is it's very easy to understand who's talking, because then you can see both sides of the ego, which, which in my personal opinion uh, and within my own human experience is where I find those two other voices. Obviously Hmm. I can, I feel like I'm starting to identify my own voice much easier, but there's also that, that negative voice and that overly positive voice. I find my experience at this point now is more like what, uh, there's a spiritualist philosopher named Muji, uh, who he talks about something even deeper and further beyond that and I'm it's not anything better I'm not trying to it's not anything better no, I know what you mean. I'm just saying that like everything that happens has to be witnessed yeah or like seen from a place mm-hmm. and so even if you're like okay which is the voice so like if there is a voice it has to be heard from someone it has to be seen you know or observed so I I'm at this strange place all the way back behind it all so that when I meditate, like every single even little feeling that I have is still something within the nothing. If that's in a weird way makes any sense. There might be some, a couple of people that ever get that out there. But it's... um So an interesting way to look at it, and there's an ancient philosophy that explains this really well that has to do with, like, the clay cup. And it fits right in with, like, modern science and physics and everything that in a really interesting and fascinating way. Um, And I'll put links to some other really interesting people that have done videos on this that are probably going to explain this better than I can that are experts and doctors and things like that. Um, But we've talked about this before, and it's really interesting when you realize how much of existence in your life and what you th- your reality is is kind of an illusion or just an idea, um, or what they would call like a form, just a form of something else. It's not even a thing in, in and of itself. Yeah. So to do that little experiment, you would say that you have a clay pot. So we have this, or we have this brass pot. How about that? So we have this Tibetan singing bowl that I've got on this little pillow here. And it gets really interesting when you stop and consider your reality and you say, okay, so here is this little brass pot. Um, And you would say, yeah, this is is a pot or a bowl. Um, But if I put this on a scale, let's pretend I'm setting it on a scale right now. So Ginger, how much of this, the weight of this is, pot or bowl and how much of the weight of this is brass how much of it is a tricky question but i would say 100 percent of it the weight is brass okay right so 
But it's still a bowl. <laughs> you would say it is a bowl, but the concept that it is a bowl is really a concept yeah. because the brass, the substrate material of it, has been formed into a, the idea of a bowl that we use. Yeah. To like an ant, this is not a bowl. To a dog, that's not a bowl. Again, we're back to this idea of relative perspectives, right? So this is an the fact that this is a bowl is just an idea that we hold. It's mm-hmm. a form that we hold together. And we've been language. taught the form since we were a small child. This that, is a bowl. That, that is a bowl. In a language that was given to you right. by your parents in school and, and stuff like that. So this is a bowl because that's what we've all agreed that this is this form of thing is, right? But when you put it on a scale or try to measure it and really pin it down, none of it is bowl. Bowl is just an idea. And then you say, okay, so all of it is brass, so it's 100% brass. But then you look closer. Let's, if you zoom in closer and you say, okay, but of that brass, the brass is made of minerals that are joined together, molecules that are joined together in a certain construct uh, by nature uh, that we call because it looks this way we call that brass that's a name that we've just given these particular molecules that are formed this way you know Mm -hmm. so again it's just an idea so even the brass how much of it is molecules and how much of it is brass if we put it in in a measuring device that can split that up so how much of it is actually brass and how much of it is the molecules those minerals and molecules together when you really like apply that to our consciousness it's really interesting to think about that because like how much of me is human well we'll get there let's just keep going deeper with the bowl for a second didn't know we were going we're gonna go deeper okay we're down to molecules you're down to molecules but you go deeper see that's where everybody loses it with meditation and they they get hung up with the visualization that's probably where i'm at then that's like saying (laughs) this is a pot so i'm gonna think about the pot and be the brass (laughs) but you go deeper than the brass and you real and you say okay well the brass is just molecules held together that we call brass and that's still just an idea yeah it's just a form of an idea that we've all agreed upon that we call brass nothing else agrees upon that the brass doesn't even call itself brass nothing else does that's just an idea right mm-hmm. we can't all agree upon that and then so that's the molecules there so okay then we look at the molecules uh, <laughs> and then you say wait but the molecules are made of of atoms and the atoms are are behaving in a particular speed or density or or waveform or whatever. And this idea of molecules is, again, just an idea that we've all agreed upon. There's, um, and it's just a form. It's just a layer of looking at things. It's just a level of perspective that we've given a name. Yeah. You know, but it's not really real. In a, in a strange sense. And then you look at the atoms and they go in with that Hadron Collider and they split those atoms up and they say, oh, there's quarks below that. So how much of it is atoms and how much of it was quarks? Well, if the base material is all quarks, then none of it's pot, none of it was brass. So we're all down, all the way down to quarks now. Well, what's the, what are the quarks made out of? 
you know, and you get to this strange, mysterious, mystical layer of reality where, where things are kind of all an illusion. Because if you can say that with this, the idea that this is a pot is really just an idea that has to originate from something behind the quarks, you know, because we've just given that a name. There's a field of energy or a nothingness, like there's a nothing that somehow the something emerges from that they, uh, I always forget this word. Um, ah, there's a really cool word for this and I forget it every time I need it. <laughs> I'll memorize it. I can't help you. <laughs> it's like emerge. It's like it emerges or, um, that's a scientific word for oh, that. Okay. Where it's where something kind of emerges out of nothing. Um, that's really interesting, but it's like, when you realize how much of it is just kind of symbolism and forms and, uh, and then it gets even stranger when you realize that the whole idea that there's even a pot here at all. And that I can think that is based on mm-hmm. the light going through my eyeballs and my brain and, and my mind and then my consciousness piecing all of the information together and figuring out what that kind of looks like, what that looks like and yeah. what I'm experiencing And all it takes is for you to be sitting over there for it to be different, but still be true. It's so weird. I think that it's uh, unexpected because uh, we just don't quite go that far. Even in, even in just like general life, we don't go that far. You Mm. know, we just stop where, Oh, that's the line I'm familiar with. And so that's as far as it goes. But if you keep taking it, Obviously, goes on forever, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, must. eventually, like um, like Muji and these people, the people who really deep meditate, would say that that's what the purpose of the meditation is. And when you get behind all of the thought forms, all of the imaginations, all the ideas, all of these pretend society things that we all play along with, you know, that hold society together mm-hmm. and everything, you get behind all of that even the fact that like my name is Carl and you get through and behind all of it and you realize that everything has to happen in your consciousness to begin with. Like even if you have a thought like oh, there's a pot right there that that's observed from someplace mm-hmm. like and that quiet, calm, peaceful place is like who you really are. That's kind of what the mystery is all about. The whole mystery of meditation is like, finding who you are behind all the stuff outside of yourself. Yeah. Even your own thoughts and emotions and who you think you were in the past and who you hope to be tomorrow and just being where you're at right here and now. I I think the hardest part of being here and now is um, just allowing yourself not to be yesterday's version. Mm. Held like hostage we, by that. Yeah, I think that we hold ourselves hostage by yesterday, and other people hold us hostage by yesterday, and the expectation is that, that you'll never change. And right. if you do change, don't treat anybody different or like you've changed, and vice versa. And when in reality, no one is the same version as yesterday because we had 24 hours of living that we did. Right. And always, every day, we're experiencing so much, you know, yeah, it's all changing, just like the smoke or the wave on the boat. Like when you zoom out far enough, the whole solar system's swirling. 
the thoughts in your own head are constantly just going and moving. Yes. Your emotions are constantly changing. You are constantly moving. And even as much as you try to hold still, the earth is turning and the ground is moving and it's kind of all in motion. Everything's uh, in motion. And you realize at some fundamental layer how little control you have over where you're going and what's going on. And really the thoughts in your mind. I mean, like we said, I think we mentioned this on the podcast uh, before, but, you know, our hearts are beating and that's autonomous. And our breath, is, you know, we're, we're breathing, breathing. Our, our lungs breath, are breathing. You know, mm. and... and you, you adjust in your chair without thinking about it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You swallow your saliva without thinking about it. And those thoughts in my head are autonomous, and they happen without me thinking about it. Not every thought that comes in my head is a deliberate thought. Right. Um, and most 99% are not right. deliberate thoughts because I'm either overthinking or trying not to think right now. Right. So, Which is what's fascinating is what we're talking about is like our mental health. Yes. Normal everyday society and people listening to this or watching this or like we're talking about like this is who you are. Mm -hmm. This is your life because your consciousness and your experience and what's going on and whether that's pleasant or not or whether the conversation you're having within yourself and your emotions day to day, if that's a good experience or not, is who you are. It's your existence and your mental health. And if you're not like kind of working on that, then... What are you doing? You're never going to get where you're trying to get anywhere other way. Sometimes the thoughts in your head can be so crippling that you can't even process process them enough to even speak them. Right. You know, sometimes it's so overwhelming. You can be completely paralyzed in bed, depressed, and just held the hostage with the horror stories you're telling yourself. Right. And and being able to identify that for what it is and realizing that it's just part of being human. And that you can, there is a level of, of I don't even like to say the word control because uh, there's, or relief. Yeah. Deta- there's a level detachment, of detachment and relief that you can get um, if you can find a way to, to get behind that and understand the dynamics of the ego. Right. There's so much study being done on, on consciousness and the ego that, is just completely life-changing. You right. can't, once you learn things like that, it just can't be unlearned. And I think that you can't even go through normal situations the same after you realize and can identify all of those strange thoughts that you have in your head and the insecurities that happen right. in motion. Um, you become aware yeah. within yourself of yourself. Exactly. And your own behavior and thoughts and everything and how much of it is going on kind of on its own. In like, a strange way. Yes. And, and, but that initial awareness can be really eerie and spooky. Mm-hmm. Like when you become, there's a moment in that funny movie with Ben Stiller and Jack Black called Envy. Mm-hmm. It's like one from the 90s if you ever watch it. But there's one funny scene in there where Jack Black is, they're sitting in their cubicles at work. And he's like, he's like, hey, man. He's like, do you, <laughs> I can't impersonate Jack Black at all. He says, do you ever just sit there and be like, wow, look at my hand. There it goes. It just picked up that pencil and now it's coming over here and writing something down. Wow. Isn't that interesting what my hand's doing, you know? And it's funny and it's kind of like brushed off. Like he kind of did it spontaneous (laughs) as a, as an actor in the movie, he was probably, maybe it was scripted. I don't know. Yeah. But there was something about that. That's really profound actually that he may or may not have known. 
But when you are aware, most people joke about this, but um, when you're driving down the road and you get where you're going and you get out of the car, you go, wow, like I don't even remember how I'm driving here. Yeah. I don't even remember getting my car keys and putting them in the car. I don't remember. And you kind of have a moment sometimes when you're walking in the store where you look down and like, I hope I put pants on. (laughs) Have you ever had those? Totally. (laughs) And then you have this weird awareness suddenly where like, who's in control here? Cause like you, we, we call it multitasking Mm -hmm. in another name, but in reality, what we're talking about is, completely divided personality and attention and action and motion and everything going in multiple different directions. And if that gets overwhelming with work and family and life and within the self, uh, you're talking about what we call being lost in the mirror maze of the mind where you don't know from the thoughts in your own head to your emotions, to the pressures from your spouse, to your kids, to work, to your schedules and demands and future goals and worried about the past and all these imaginations that you just are lost and it just becomes generalized anxiety disorder, depression or whatever. Yeah. You know, because you're, it's like a big giant tornado that you get sucked into. So I think like, I think it would be awesome to talk about kind of our, our road to that discovering how to um, learn to control it, I guess, or learn to observe it. One of the, yeah, like one of the strange things that you can do is just like, even when you're going to get, get into bed tonight, or if you're listening to this in the, in the morning at some point or wherever in the car, just become really keenly aware of how much of even just your physical body is going on on its own. Like when you're talking, when I'm talking right now, I'm not consciously within the thoughts in my mind, thinking about how my tongue is moving to even form the words I'm saying. That that gets really strange. I'm not thinking about how to exactly move my lips to say the words properly. I'm not thinking about how I'm holding my hand up and making gestures non-verbally. I'm not thinking about when to blink my eyes or when to take a breath. Uh, I'm not thinking about how my liver is supposed to work. Or, or my digestion, I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, take that protein up here and put <laughs> it in the blood vessel and then run it over this way. Like, it's all like a big cooperation. And at some level in our bodies, it's like like the cup. Uh, you realize that it's this cooperation with bacteria and cells and mitochondria and cell walls and tissues and fungal layers and all sorts of weird stuff in the environment and intaking fluids and foods and replenishing ourselves with other dead things that we have to eat their nutritional value to stay alive, you know, Mm -hmm. and you start to think how much of this is actually me, how much of it is just this like autonomous thing that's happening that I'm observing as a witness of or, or that I'm involved in or really identified with right now, you know? And, um, but when you become aware of how much even just your body is is doing what it does without you even being aware of it, and when something's wrong, that's when you become aware of it. Is all of a sudden like you don't even you have no sense or awareness that you have an appendix until it hurts. Yeah, and then you're like, I have an appendix. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same thing as sitting in this chair. I don't sit in this chair and feel every 
every spot where the leather chair hits my the back of my legs every or, or fiber my hands. Fabric. No, I have to intentionally like think about my legs. Okay, now I can feel it. And then I my hands. Oh, now I can feel it. But a few seconds before I admit it in my brain, you can you your awareness goes there. You know yeah. what I mean? So you like think and then you in your mind think of your head and then before you can even say it, your consciousness is there. You and know? it's a constantly swirling focal point of awareness right. too. So like I'm looking at you with my eyes, but I'm also, there's words coming out of my mouth right now that I'm kind of thinking of, but they're also happening live autonomously yeah. sort of because I'm not forming my tongue. It's happening on its own as it's coming out of my mouth even right now. And then the fact that it's in a language that was put in there by your parents, it gets strange. So meditation to get all the way back to that is like just like the brass pot and the, or the brass bowl, you say, okay, well, that's, if that's the same with this and with this table, and that's the same with this room, like this room that I'm in is just like sheetrock, which is made from gypsum and paper and paint and ink. And then the house is made from wood and cement and stone. And really it's just an idea kind of cobbled together. Right. That we all say this is a house, but it's really just an idea that mm-hmm. we all go along with, you know? Yeah. And then I say, well, th- I am Carl and this is my body, but wait, I go looking closer and I say, but my body, what my body is and who I say is Carl is just an idea because what my body is and who I am is really just a, an organism of cells and tissues and organs that are working cooperatively together. So it's, I'm really an organism, a functioning organism. Yeah. You know, and then you go in deeper and you say, but those organisms are made of cells, you know, that are functioning kind of independently. Like the cells down in my thigh are not aware of the cells in my brain. Right. And what's going on there. In some spooky way, there's a cooperation. There's some harmonious cooperation, but my conscious awareness is oblivious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am not in control of any of that. It's happening. It's just part of the environment that's outside of me, just like the river or a bird or anything. And somehow you can get behind all that and even your sense of self. You can skip behind, and that's what the point of meditation, what we're getting at here. It's not standing in front of the mirror and pretending that you're going to become something great someday. It's getting behind all of the illusions of who you think you are and that giant Jenga game of ego falling down and being like, I'm just going to be as I am, and even if a thought comes up, I'm just going to stay, observe it, and let it go. And you just release and obtain that peace and calm. That's a really long, interesting kind of way of looking at it. But I think in, in our life and, and in the practical application of what you just said can be like practicing those tools, getting behind the ego, being able to see that. Right. Even, I'm starting to recognize my ego peeking out in um, conversations and that's brand new and terrifying. Mm. You know, you talk, you say something. When she says ego. Uh, this is what I mean. I'll give an example. Yeah. I, I'm Your whole there sense talking of self, someone, who, you, who you think you are. Right. Yeah. And I'm talking about something that I'm doing, one of my projects, and I throw in some some sort of fact that 
I don't think they care about that fact, but I wanted to share the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I catch my ego doing that. And it's like, why do I do that to make myself look better than I right. need, than I need to look? Like, I just need to share the project. That's what I'm doing is talking to them about the project I'm working on. I don't need to add or blow how up good I am, or how good or right. whatever. I just right. need to share it and then walk away and and keep my ego where it belongs, which is right centered, right and, and not. And then on the flip side, on the flip side of that, not. Uh, I also caught myself being self-deprecating, which is the other side of it. Right. You know, you have the side of your ego that's like, oh, I'm this and this and this and this, and then you have the side of the ego that's really drags you down yeah and being able to see both of that when you're communicating with people or in your marriage or when you're talking to your kids i think is super valuable and using the tools that work for you right and being able to see that and observe it but going deep inside and being able to see whoever you are and being able but i think feeling that's the most important yeah understanding that um for me, it it was a feeling of, oh my gosh, I am peaceful. Like I'm a really good, peaceful person. That's how I feel when I feel right now. I can be now and right. all the time. Like right. when I don't have the chatter, when I don't have all that going on in my mind, I really yeah. like who I am. You know, right? But it's a part of of yourself that swings you back and forth between the feeling good about yourself and being really mean about um to yourself, right? That gets, uh, it's really, really difficult. To and overcome. just the, just the simple awareness that, that when you say I'm, oh, I'm, when I'm being really mean to myself, yeah. what are you talking about? Like who's being mean to who here? Like, and then who's observing that? Like who's, who's right. the one that can say I am being mean to myself? Like who, who can observe the argument? Right what part of you in there is aware that you just did this to me? Well, you know, I do this. We get home from a party and I'm like, that was so great. And And then I'm like, that was so awful. And I can't believe that happened like two seconds later. Mm -hmm. And then I, and and then I reach some level of equilibrium where I'm just like, yeah, it was a fine party. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. It's funny how you just like, you're talking, but you're talking about a mental and emotional relationship with an idea. So you're going to take it back. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like all that spinning and drama and wondering about, is it still the past? It's still just like an idea that you're observing. And when you're like, I wonder this. And even when you start to have a conversation in your own mind, who's listening to the conversation? Who's the witness of the conversation? And it gets to this really interesting mystical layer of what meditation is about, where you get that awareness of like when every thought, even the ones where you say, oh, I'm in, I'm meditating right now. (laughs) This feels so good. And you say, oh, this is it. Oh, like as soon as you even have that thought, that's a thought that you're hearing in your own mind somehow, but not your ears. You're witnessing yourself thinking it. But who's the one hearing, witnessing the thought and where's, you know, because here's the way my thoughts always are. 
I rarely use my thoughts as an actual tool where I'm like reading something and I'm like, this is this and this is this like a tool. Mm-hmm. Most of the time my thoughts are like sneaking up on me and then I'm like, what am I thinking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, it's almost like a movie going on and then I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like a daydream, <laughs> something that you almost catch yourself getting lost in. Yeah. Right? In your own head. Like this guy, all paralyzed, you know, mm-hmm. stuck in his own deep mental thought. He's trying to work something out, but he's not actually doing anything. So the idea of of meditation and Zen and all this ancient stuff is is that they believe this idea of going through these deep levels of introspection, you're peeling off all the things that you're not. So you're like, okay, so I'm not my money. That's just a, a symbol. It's just a form, an idea. I'm not my house. I'm not uh, where I grew up. I'm not the country I live in. I'm not any of that, you know, mm-hmm. and all that peels back. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually get freedom from all that in meditation and have some peace of mind. Back to the zero. Yeah. And kind of, you can just go sit somewhere outside or even in the middle of stressful situation and just step behind it all and go, and just observe it out in front of you, like, wow, look how stressed my body is. Yeah. And then your your thoughts all of a sudden go, whoop, and they stop because you're watching them, and they go quiet. Like, we can do that. It's like sometimes people will do optical illusions, you know, and you can flip your perspectives. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's seen these optical illusions of, like, there's two faces on the side of a vase, Mm-hmm. And whether you're looking at it and trying to see the faces, you can see the faces. Or you flip your awareness and you can see a vase, which is the truth. Is it a vase or a vase or is it, uh, is it the faces? Uh, and they're both the right answer, but they're both interdependent for each other to exist in a way. That's the way the illusion works. And so that's kind of, uh, I forgot where I was getting that see i tricked myself <laughs> i oh was just gonna gosh. ask you if you what are your thoughts on like mm. multi-dimensions because if so so you're using the faces in the boss right mm. so in one dimension it would be a face in the other dimension a boss or whatever like do you th- what is your perspective on like human beings jumping Consciousness, no, but perception or perspective, yes. The, you know, like the feeling of jumping tracks in your life. Like, what do you think that is? Mm. Do you think that's like a interdimensional? You, if you want to look at it know? from a science fiction perspective, it's really fascinating. If you want to look at it through a spiritual meditation perspective, it's really fascinating. Let's and, take and somehow the spiritual meditation through out. all of it. It's really. Uh, has kind of a common thread like everybody's talking and experience the same thing because in the end there's one existence there's just this truth that's happening like we're yeah. all in it yeah like what's happening right now is happening yeah and there is a substrate going on there there's a there is a universe there is a something i am here you know like the philosopher Descart said let um who Descartes. Oh, okay. I think, therefore, I am. Mm-hmm. That really popular yeah. saying. With the um, Alan Watts says that he only got it half right. <laughs> uh, 
you think, therefore you, I think, therefore I am. Like, that's the only thing I can really know is because I'm sitting here thinking I know I exist. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I think you're over there is based on reflections of light and my own ideas. And what if I just woke up and realized I was in a dream? I, I really didn't know. You yeah. know, like there's a lot of weird things like that about reality. Yeah. So they say the fact that I think I'm thinking right now, that's how I know that I exist. That's the only way you can know is that it's happening. Right. Yeah. But Alan Watts says that's only going halfway. He says, well, who's the one aware of the thinking? Where, who, where's the observer? Where's the observance coming from? Because really, if you take the concept that you can become the observer of your thoughts, then you're not a slave to them anymore. Right. You realize they're not you. It's something happening outside the self. Yeah. The true self. If the true self can observe it, then it's not part of it. You're in the world, but not of the world. And you start having meditation experiences like that and spiritual experiences like that that can be taken religiously or whatever, but a lot of people say that's how that's going to be the gateway to the next life and the afterlife. But there, um, it's a really for uh, in my life, it's been something that's just brought me peace of mind and calm, and given me the ability and some of the primitive tools at this point to realize that, like when I'm stressed out or like feeling depression or having bad thoughts or anything like that, that that's not who I am. That I can stop those or pause them. Or I can just observe them and just let them kind of disappear just like a dog barking in the distance. Mm-hmm. And your own thoughts, your own thoughts in your own mind can be the same way. And you can kind of awaken from that false illusion that you're telling yourself. That conversation that's going on, you can awaken from that. You can wake up from the sleep of this story you've been telling yourself that you think of who you think you are in your life and really choose your own path. And, and things like that instead of from what you've just been taught, you know. Yeah. But you have to get to a deeper level of that, like a trust fall within yourself. Um, and I think one of the uh, people try to do it through prayer, but it's meditation or different thing or, or mindfulness or million different ways and tools to do it and different stuff like that. Some of my favorite ones I, I learned from just Alan Watts and Eckhart Tolle, Emoji, and just a lot of different all different types Mm -hmm. of people. But in the end, it's like they're all just kind of different tricks that you're playing on your own consciousness and your own mind in order to give yourself peace of mind. And the tools ultimately never work. (laughs) I know. If they they work, it's like short-lived, right? If the the tools never work because... and let me make this point clear <laughs> before you get started, because you're going to get frustrated when you start down this path if you don't understand this like I did. In me, I don't know. Because what happens is is you find yourself trying to not think, and so you're out there repeating a bunch of visuals and things in your mind and imagining things trying not to think. And mm-hmm. in the imagining and the, and the practicing of the meditating, suddenly you're not actually experiencing it. And so... It's like a centipede trying to run really fast but think of every step, and you can't do it. It becomes like a paradox. And you have to just accept that, first of all, that when you start getting into meditation and mindfulness and peace of mind stuff, that like the autonomy is going full force 
Yeah. Like the like the floodgates in the Hoover Dam are going to be wide open and you're suddenly going to be aware and awaken from that and see it for what it is. And it's crazy. It's overwhelming. It's super overwhelming to realize how much your emotions just go wild out of your control and how much your the thoughts in your head just go on and on and on and on and on about the dumbest stuff. I mean, I struggled for a long time. <laughs> it's maddening. Because you feel it, like you're going to go crazy because suddenly you're aware of the conversation in your head and yes. it doesn't feel like you for a little bit and you have to get comfortable that that's yes. always the way that it's been. You're just waking up from it a little bit. And, and you're becoming aware that it's there, but you're not good enough uh, at meditating or using the tools to fix it. Yeah. And so it's like this painful growth period where everything seems really dark and hard and um, so many steps I have to take and like right. I, I have to remind myself to breathe now and like right. type feeling, you know, like taking every small step you you're taking, you're ma- sorry, every small step is deliberate, you know, yeah. for a little while. Right. And every meditation, um, you know, practice that you do is, is very intentional. And you're going to throw it away and go like, this, this isn't even yeah, working. I I'm totally just fooling did. myself. And but blah, then blah, all blah. of a sudden. Like nothing's helping me. <laughs> it's you just kind making of, me crazy. If you can work through it, yeah. just trust yourself that you're going to get the hang of it and trust yourself that right. you want to find yourself. You have to want it, you know. Um, but it, it was trust. That trust fall happened. And then I was able to to sort of come out of that dark place that I was. But I was there for quite a while, and I had a really hard time controlling my thoughts, right. especially around social situations and all that. It just really was weighed heavy and was difficult, and I feel like I'm in a better place now that's way more natural and true to who I am. Right. And I'm able to just be really grounded and centered where I want to be instead of just running run ragged by my emotions right in the situation and and being victim to saying yes to everything you know because mm. I, I didn't have the ability to say no and then I was mad at myself and yeah you know those spiraling um, cycles that Thoughts, just happen yeah. over and over and over that you finally are able to break because you're aware of yourself before you even get close to right. the point of saying yes. You see the signs in the conversation. You can, during during the conversation, if someone's asking you, asking me something right now as opposed to before I really started, and I'm not good at this. I am not. I'm just barely starting and learning, but um, it's almost like I, I now I can feel myself moving into that place where I'm going to be asked to do something, and I have the mindfulness during the conversation right. to decide what I actually want without being surprised when they ask and then obligated to yeah. say yes because I haven't thought of what I really wanted yet. So I just say, yeah, sure, because I can't think mm-hmm. even if I – I didn't even give myself to deci- a chance to decide. I just decided for myself and just said yes right. and didn't even – just kind of autonomously said yes. And that's not what I want to yeah. do. It's not what I – how I actually feel or whatever. And so it, you find yourself walking away being like, how did I get here? Why what, did I why say did that? I do why this? did I do that? You know? I should have said this. And yeah. Like, <laughs> you know At I mean? CVX live, I talked about this a little bit in the aspect of like career of how you can, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, I've read share the same kind of feeling where, 
You know, they start out on a journey and it's their dream and it's going to be great, but it's never what you expect. And when you get there, it's like, how did this happen? Right. On one side. And then on the other side, it doesn't look like anything you imagined. Can you believe it? It's way more than we ever expected. On the other hand, it's like, this is not what I signed up for. Right. You know, and it can quickly become a living hell if you don't. And that's like everything from like everything. family to marriage to parenting to yeah. s- education to career. Your whole life starts yes. to conf- it can feel like that and start to feel like it's out of your control. And 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 at first, when you start to do the meditation, you're becoming more self aware, and so you're going to start to feel. It's like imagining if if suddenly you become aware of a radio frequency that you can hear in your own head. Yeah, but it's your own thoughts. And you can hear it going on, but it's not you. It's like it's in the room outside the self. And that's kind of after you get have a few actual real here and now present meditation awakened moments mm-hmm. where like profound uh, moments like that uh, where you separate from all those illusions um, and you have that peace of mind. Then <laughs> when you experience that, then suddenly you come back to normal and the, and the thoughts in your head start going again. It's like, well, I got to go to this and I got to do that. And then it's like some song like starts going on that's stuck in your head. And, and now all of a sudden, instead of it just being what you're doing in the day, you can kind of like hear it going on and you see it going on and you're aware of it going on, mm-hmm. the co- that conversation mm-hmm. and all that dialogue. And, and it's almost like, um, pseudo schizophrenia but not it it's a release finally you're like free from that yeah instead of it being you like you're in it and that's Mm -hmm. what you are all of a sudden you're like whoa yeah like all that chatter and the constant barrage of thoughts going on and emotions and demands of society and everything is out all of a sudden you detach from that when you have good meditation and it's so it's interesting and really hard to get from there to the point that you can still like get up and go to work day to day uh, and not feel like you're just getting lost in the maze again. Right. And into distress and lack of peace of mind and turmoil because you're in this world that is not who you are fundamentally now. And you know that, and it's really, it's really hard. It's really difficult. Everything's at odds with you and feels like you're in the carnival. Yeah, because I think like everyone sort of when you're really thinking about peace of mind, at least for myself, I think of like the gravy train, you know, like everything's going fine and we're just going to like ride this out. But you still do this like a wave. You still subconsciously know this is a wave. It's a wave. It's not. Right. Because this is more like torture. Yeah. Being stretched out flat with no change forever. Yeah. It's not. Without variation is torture, but a gentle, hell. gentle fluctuations. Mm. I think is is like yeah. the goal, you know. Yeah. And so when you when you take something that you want and you make it a goal, you know, I right. want I want a six pack, you know, <laughs> of Diet Coke. Just kidding. <sighs> I want a six pack, so I'm gonna just work out and I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do. For the next right. eight weeks, I'm going to prep my food and go to the gym and do all these things. But um, uh, 
so many times, why is it that goals just like can make it so difficult yeah. to be happy? Because the pressure that comes to hold up those goals, while right. you might eventually get a six pack, but who cares if you're miserable and unhappy and you're, and you're being just self abusing the, the last entire, eight weeks? Every step is self abusing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, because even if you get to the eight weeks and you see abs, they're not going to be chiseled enough. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you see him. Yeah. You know? And the idea really of a goal is all just an imagination that you're holding on to to try and propel yourself yeah. towards a certain direction you are trying to desire, which is still just an imagination, desire something that you want. Thing. Yeah, so you're you're doing all this based on pretend. You know, like pushing yeah. yourself around. At I some haven't level. finished Eckhart Tolle's book, Tolle. Eckhart Tolle's book, but The Power of Now. But I, I feel like the the part that I've read so far really focuses on that and why um, today, here and now, is always the most important thing because it's the only thing that we're experiencing right. for real. And so that became con- conflicting with my goal oriented mindset. Right, because my whole life I've been goal oriented. I'm going to graduate when I'm 16. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. You know, and most of my goals that I have reached have have been equally painful. Even if even if I blew past my goal, that pain still comes through because attachment. I don't know what causes that pain. The idea, the inevitable letdown. You know. Right. But then if something turns out the way you had planned, it's a miracle. And Right. And, and through meditation, you learn that and, and through mindfulness and all that and uh, working on your mental health, the relationship with goals completely changes instead of, uh, and you talked about that in your presentation, instead of setting goals that are like these deadlines, like an ax that's going to fall if you don't reach, it becomes like this timeless uh, state of being who you are, uh, that you just align yourself with, yeah, you know, that puts you in a positive flow that allows you to be who you are as things change. Like a really healthy goal uh, or like a really bad goal would be like, oh, I'm going to achieve a six pack by the end of the year. Right. You know, a really, a really good goal would be like, um, every time I, every time I pick up my food, I'm going to take a moment and really look at it. And think about it and how I feel about it. And that's like a goal that you can align, life, align yourself with that puts you in a flow that doesn't have a deadline, that isn't some axe hanging over your head, just changes your perspective and relationship with what, within, your own, within yourself. Yeah. And, and so you can, instead of holding yourself hostage, you can have that mindset. But then also still realize that even that is still um, something pretend and made up just like the pot and just like mm-hmm. the goal and just like the thoughts. We're still talking about imaginations. So the key to all that, same with trying to learn how to meditate and struggling and struggling and not knowing how to do it, is having that sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You can't lose the sense of humor and levity with all <laughs> of it, right? Right. Because if you get caught up in, in that this is all such serious business, um, that you're out there trying to meditate and get peace of mind and you get all serious. About like, what are you doing? You know, like you're trying to get peace of mind. So why are you sitting out there f- turmoiling yourself? Yeah. And so you're become your own worst enemy. And really the key to it all I found is like 
when I'm trying to do it, I'm trying to get peace of mind and I just want to calm down for a minute, you know, um, that the sense of humor when I realize that I, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Remember I said at the beginning that you're going to learn all these different things and little tricks and we might try some like how to meditate for a beginner's type of thing. But in the end, all of these little tools in order to actually meditate have to be just dropped. And they'll drop on their own, almost like you would jump scare yourself and then realize that wasn't real. The actual deep meditation you sort of fall into and you learn how to trip into it almost like with your by tricking your own mind and thoughts by putting them out in front of you and then vanishing them. You, Which is another like level a, of, of understanding that you are mm. tricking something within yourself. yourself. That you're literally... So who is the one doing the trick? Deep, profound, you know? like Zen meditation is the art of playing a, a magic trick on yourself. Like... And you think that's impossible. You think that it can't be done. There's no mm-hmm. way that just by thinking about something, like, but you do actually do it in reality all the time. You do it in your sleep and your dreams. You're, you're in a nightmare in your dreams and you become aware, like, oh, I hope that monster doesn't, or that ghost doesn't pop around the corner. And almost as you per- perceive it within the dream, <laughs> it manifests, you know. Uh, and what's interesting though is that like, within the frustration of trying to get there through the methods and the little mental tricks that you play to try and meditate and realizing that your thoughts just won't stop. Mm -hmm. You use the trick and you get a little break and then you're like, Oh, it worked. And the fact that you go, it worked (laughs) throws you back out. Yeah. Trips you up. Just the fact that you become aware that it's, Oh, it happened. Yeah. As soon as you think that, you're back out again. And it's like, oh, I'm not there anymore. And But in that frustration, the sense of humor, over time, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're patient over time, that spaciousness expands profoundly and more and more rapidly as you go. And it expands to the point to where you're meditating and meditating and meditating. And then you're, uh, and then you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm brushing my teeth. Like, and I, and I don't just like driving down the freeway. You realize I'm, I've done all these good things and I cleaned the whole bedroom and I've put all my laundry in the washer and I'm brushing my teeth. And just like you drive down the freeway, I've done that all in this like, (laughs) wow, profound peace and calm. Like it happened on its own, Uh, like separate from myself. I didn't even have to do it really. Yeah. And it's not like I'm, just zoned out. No, it's like you are more alive than you've ever been. The laundry is exhilarating. It's like, (sighs) right? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Because you're not (laughs) lost thinking about other stuff. You're sitting out there and you're just looking at the grass, but you're like, when's the last time I looked at the grass? (sighs) You know, or touched it, or touched it, yeah. And you just want to roll in the grass because you've been lost in your own head for a decade, yeah. In your own imaginations and your own fears and worries and stress and all that stuff, and and they say that, that little cliche like stop and smell the roses, and you don't. Mm-mm. Nobody does. Not even in your own self, you don't stop and just go. 
and give yourself a break ever, you know? So what's like your favorite one when you go out? Uh, my favorite like meditation, meditation. thing, like what mine, do you, what my, do you right do? Right now. So mine changes because I feel like the cat and the mouse one for a minute worked good. And then I tried a different one and that one worked good for a little bit. But right now, um, if I hear the chatter in my head or if I find myself anxious about something and I'm playing tapes from the past or trying to pr predict the future or running a, con a potential conversation in my head or I'm upset about something, if yeah. I recognize those types of thoughts that are just like... You catch it first. Sort of running right. amok, yeah. you know? I'm like, what is going on, Ginger? You know, you that's like, what? <laughs> Chill out. Moments, you, know? you go, hold up. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Like yourself. Um, <laughs> I, I immediately close my eyes and in my mind is like a 360 degree wall of uh, big screen TVs. And on those TVs, I, I allow myself to visualize what was just running through my head. So you use like Tao meditation would be like to use a visualization just to seize control. Yes. So some people would be like, I'm going to imagine I'm in a garden or I'm in a temple or I'm in at the beach. Mm-hmm. Or, and for you, it's like, like you like use all it. those big screens are playing the stories. And you're not trying to go anywhere. Just, you're like, I want to see my thoughts on screens around me. Boom, yeah. So I can really get control here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I light a match mm. and the match shuts the TVs off and creates endless darkness and endless space. And I just. And I don't look at the glow. I don't look at the fire in my mind, mm. but I pay attention to the glow that it probably emits. Mm. And so I imagine the aura, the aura of the flame and not so much just the flame because the aura of the flame is the last thing that you would see before the great spaciousness. The empty nothing. The, the empty nothing. The so actual piece. When I first started using mm. this visualization, I focused on the click in my head of the of the flame. The psh, yeah. Psh, right? Yep. And then I focused on the flame. And then right. when that quit kind of working and my brain wasn't falling for it anymore, then I focused on the aura. And I don't know where it hmm. will go next. I don't know. But uh, it, it just sort of like is developing and, and hmm. whatever, I just work. I just let it work its way. I in Work itself out is what i In I'm order for the flame to exist... And to be present or mm -hmm. to be there and observed, mm -hmm. the flame has to appear within something. Yeah. Within a space. Yeah. And the aura, in order for that aura of the light to be there, even within your mind, has to exist within a space, a spaciousness. And that spaciousness is what goes on forever. And people don't realize that. Like when we look at this, you have the, the earth down there, the little blue planet. You have the sun and the solar system and everything. And in the end, what really goes on forever is not like the planets and the stars, but it's the empty nothing, the vacuum. That that is through everything, that empty space. So when, you, when you're aware of that flame and that aura, even that in your mind is happening within the vacuum of like awareness. And the ancient people and spiritualists and stuff like that, and even modern, a lot of consciousness and cognitive doctors and stuff are saying that that, that base substrate vacuum 
that nothingness is like uh, originates within the consciousness. Mm -hmm. Because everything that appears appears because it's being perceived and experienced. And if nothing was there to experiencing it, experience it, it wouldn't ever be perceived and wouldn't exist. There would be nothing there to witness Mm. or perceive it, not even a thought. And if there wasn't anything to perceive it or, or whatsoever, there would be nothing Mm -hmm. because the perception and the consciousness is existence without the life and that life force of awareness. There isn't anything. There's not a table, there's not a pot, there's not a carl, there's not a body, there's nothing even to observe without the consciousness first, you know, without the awareness for, in order for it to appear within. That's really deep stuff. Yeah. But the a way to get like a sense of it is to do like the meditation thing. But like what you're talking is the TV screens. So you go to the TV screens, that's like a Tao meditation the flame within the mind, like a candle flame within the emptiness of the mind, reflecting is a Zogchen meditation technique. Uh, a Zogchen, it starts with a D, actually, if you want to look that up. That's a really interesting one that really has to do with just having going within your mind and then becoming nothing, like vanishing and just experiencing that peace of mind, you know? Yeah. I would say that the phase that I'm at, I'll use like a little mental trick to get started, like the cat and the mouse one, uh, or the counting from zero to one. Uh, and then I'll use certain visualizations, but a lot of it is comes back to embracing the reality of what's happening in existence now around me and, and just observing that balance between being aware of it and that it's going on and not being all caught up in it and and it's different um i don't really have to like sit down to get there as much anymore um but i do when i really want to get <laughs> get yeah. there when i really am having a hard time or something or i've realized wow i'm like yeah here i go again i've just ran ran off you know but i like to go out and all sit down we can do it even like right now if you want we can try to experience this. And if you're listening to this, you can do it now at home too, or watching this. If you're brand new to meditation, just sit somewhere comfortable. Um, initially that it helps to go outside or whatever, but you really don't have to, if you're in the city or whatever. And even the random noises, if there's a dogs barking or anything, you'll get to a point where that stuff is magical. So don't fight it. Right. Right. That stuff, when you hear, uh, when birds fly by or something interrupts you or a car horn honks in the distance, those things become part of the tools that help you. And you'll get what I mean. They become triggers to help you release back into peace and calm. So when you experience things in meditation and that, that quiet, when you have serenity in your mind through this, just when stuff pops up or when I start talking again, just let the sound of like our voices, if you're really in it and it's happening, uh, the sound of our voice or whatever's going on is just like um, an ambient elevator music in the background. If a dog's barking, it's just like a, like if there was drums in the distance, there's just this music playing. 
And you don't name musical notes when you're listening to music. You don't say, that's A, B, D, G, So when a bird flies by or you hear a dog barking, you don't, you're, you shouldn't in your mind go, there's a dog. Yeah. There's a bird, but we do constantly. Uh, constantly. It's fr- <laughs> frantic, you know, labeling of everything. Yeah. So let all that go and just let all the sounds, you just let them be like, okay, so my eardrums are just like a, just a single drum and they're going boom, 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 and vibrating. And that's how you're hearing everything. So just let it all be the same music. The fact that you're sorting out all those vibrations into different things is all imaginary. You're doing that within yourself and the way that you've been taught to sort it all out when yeah. you're a child. So when you release all those labels and lines and names and everything in your mind and you quit and you just let all the sounds become like a, a music that doesn't need to be named or understood. You just experience the sound. If it's a ceiling fan or some rattling, ticking noise or the ventilation, that's it can be beautiful, I'm telling you, when we get there. Yeah. But then also if a thought pops up that comes within your own consciousness, you just let that float become a part of the sound too. Yeah. Outside the self. If you feel a little bit uncomfortable and you notice that your body shifts in, it, in where you're sitting, that's just a part of the music and the dance that you're witnessing that's not you. And so you leave all of that stuff outside. So, and you just be who you are right where you're at, very vivid. And you start by being really aware. Let's just start by being really aware of the sounds. And you just let even my voice be a part of that sound that comes and goes and happens outside of yourself but also within yourself and when you hear the sound of my voice that's happening inside your eardrum just like every every other sound outside of yourself but also within yourself but there's someone within you and some place within you that's beyond all that, that transcends all that, that is beyond it, that is at peace, that's observing that sound, trying to understand that sound and witnessing it. And everything that you're feeling and seeing and hearing, you realize that when I stop talking, you can have a pause in between those thoughts. And that conversation going on in your head can have some spaciousness and you can at first just slow it down. So all the talking going on in your head and the emotions that you're feeling and everything that you're experiencing, you just kind of hesitate Give your consciousness some space. And you have this thought and the next one. And there's a pause in between where you still exist. You can have this thought in your head, just like as you hear my voice. 
and then this one. And the gap in between is still just a taste of peace of mind. So we're going to pretend we'll do the cat and the mouse meditation now that I've given you a little bit of it. And you've experienced a little bit of it, hopefully. Where we're going to pretend like your next thought that you're going to have, as we have this thought here, and then the next one, that the next thought is like a mouse going to come out of a mouse hole in the wall, like Tom and Jerry in those old cartoons. But when that next thought tries to come out, you're going to wait for it, and it just never comes. So the next thought is outside yourself, and you're watching for it and listening for it. And then you have this thought right here, and then just... And you get a break. So good. <laughs> you get this sense of calm. And when you do that with your eyes open, and you get to where you're doing it with your eyes open, you get this profound connection with nature, profound connection with exactly where you stand and where your feet are on the ground and all the things that you're not and how much even the thoughts and emotions in your mind are not necessarily who you are, and they don't have to run who you are and dominate your life or your day or your identity, because now you have the sword of truth. <laughs> when you meditate, you can be free of all those thoughts and illusions. You know, you don't, you can, it can come from you. So when you have a thought or an idea or somebody comes up and talks to you, it's all happening outside the self. And now you are witnessing it like a master of the own mind. And when a thought comes up, you're the observer of it. You're not the one having it or stuck in it. You know, and that's profound. That kind of meditation and those simple tricks, there's lots of them. Uh, ultimately, that experience of just being in between the thoughts is... Uh, the idea of being awakened or enlightened is to exist in that state and transcend this life in a way to where you're still living day to day and doing what you're doing and fulfilling your purpose. But that happens as a good without opposite because you're coming from a place of total observance and calm and peace and, and knowing that, that you want to get along with everyone and that everyone is a reflection of you. And this is all a relationship with yourself. Yeah. In a weird way. And your own perceptions of where you're standing with the laser beam, you know? Yeah. And you really get over yourself really quick, you know, and try to get along with people and yourself mostly. Because as soon as you get at peace with yourself, then nothing else really rocks you. Yeah. You know, people you can come move up. through it quite peacefully, even, even situations mm. that, you know, in the past have been really difficult or whatever. Right. It does make it easier to navigate through that because you really are just being observant of what's happening today and and you've eliminated all those mm. horror stories that you've told yourself about the past or the future or anything and you're just observing what's happening right now 
Right. You know, you're just observing the conversation that you're having right now, and you're not playing all that and in the middle of mm. trying to communicate with people. Yeah, and it's super therapeutic, even if you don't go any further than that. Yeah. The mindfulness, we're talking about your own mental health here and your peace of mind and your state of mind mm -hmm. in the end. That's the same. We're talking about the same thing. And if you can go out and walk down a nature path at the park and your typical experience of doing that is you're just looking at your phone and you're fretting about your day and unable to relax and you're trying to make your steps, and you're trying, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Then you're, uh, then you're really lost in layers and layers and layers of illusions in society. And the idea of meditation is that uh, to be able to go walk down that nature path, get outside yourself mm -hmm. for a while, not get ahead of yourself, don't dwell on the past because who wants that anyways? I don't want it and you don't want it and they don't right. want it. And so you're walking down that path and you're just experiencing who you are mm -hmm. in that moment for real mm -hmm. for the first time ever. And it's like uh, extremely therapeutic and beneficial. I highly recommend it. I recommend I'll put a, um, on my Facebook page, I just posted a link to an Alan Watts guided meditation that I highly recommend. And I'll add it to the description of this on YouTube as well. Uh, also, we've talked about Eckhart Tolle a lot. Uh, we'll put a link to his Power of Now book down in the description as well. Um, and anybody else that we kind of mentioned and alluded to, we kind of did a guided meditation today. We talked about um, the autonomy of human nature and existence, like how much you're really not in control of that you have to embrace and trust yourself with, uh, on nature of reality in your mind. We covered a lot of ground. Meditation. It's been great. About almost two hours. Uh, you guys, we want to thank Zatural again uh, for their great CBD products. Go check them out. We're going to wrap up this live stream. If you aren't watching this on YouTube, please go subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss out and you can join in on the live streams. Uh, also, the podcast is going to be on Anchor, and it's going to be streamed out also on the i. Uh, I podcast, Apple podcast, is that what they call uh, uh, yeah. Apple music podcast or whatever that is. Yeah. You guys, thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one.